All right, well, welcome back. It's time for Flip It F1. We're going completely unscripted tonight because what the hell? Why not? That's just how the Dutch do it. This week, the circus finds itself in the beaches of the Netherlands, well known for his beaches, of course, as we can see by Phil's complexion. English, not Dutch. I might be married to the Dutch. Yes, yes, it's time for Flippin' F1, where four fanboys fire off about F1. It's here with our regular, usual set of goofball games and useless analysis, but we have fun anyways. I'm here, your host at most, Randy. We got, you know, return from that coast over there, eh? We got Gareth. How you doing, bye? Bye. I'm right pisoned at how boring the race was. Ah, you feeling it, dude? Completely, completely shot, tired, home for rest. <laughs> But that, my God, that race was boring. I fell asleep. Anyway, I'm alive. Uh, right, right. How are you feeling, Spence? I feel like I should articulate more so that I'm understood on the West Coast. That, that's true. Thanks, Randy. Um, it's been a while since I've been out east, so my ability to pick up on Garrett's very thick Newfoundland accent is, you know, it, it's a little compromised, but I think we'll survive. Uh, doing good out here. Another beautiful late summer day. Uh, just waiting for the rain to start. Yeah, yeah, let's go all the way back east, at least to Halifax Way for the professor. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. But if you want the rain, you're on the wrong coast, Spence, because apparently we're getting inundated with it right now. Yep. Nah, it's good. It's good to be here, as always. Did the whole family watch the race with you or what, man? No, 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 no. Haley decided it was time to go play. And Tamara thought there were other things more important to do than sit on the couch on a Sunday morning and watch a Grand Prix, even though it is in her home country. So, you know, it was me, myself, and I. So you went Dutch on <laughs> Netherlands race day. So that's that's fair. I like it. I like it. Knew you were going to try and pull the pun, Randy. <laughs> Knew you were going for it. <laughs> hey, you opened it up. What the hell else was I supposed to do? <laughs> well, we had a great time in the Netherlands. Tiesto made that a danceable experience. Otherwise, the drivers made it a completely boring race. So at least the Dutch fans were dancing. There we go. We got Spence uh, throwing the arms up. It was something to behold for sure by way of atmosphere if not by way of racing so let's get into it time for our favorite segment as always box 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 bingo play it eric bingo! there it is so how do we do on the bingo boxes let's start off with the first box predicted grid top five andrew had a go man it went okay, Randy. I got a couple of them. I had uh, Verstappen uh, on pole, which he definitely took. It gets a little more hairy after that, though. I had I had better hopes for Ferrari this week. I thought this would be kind of like a beefed-up Monaco, you know, and I thought that their package would work really well there. So I had Leclerc and Sainz in my top five. I don't think either of them really got a sniff at it, if, if memory serves. Hamilton and Bottas, I had those guys, though, so I'll give myself half points. All right. Two story? What do you say? Like Spence, I was predicting that Ferrari would actually have something this weekend. You know, Verstappen, Hamilton up there, yeah, points. But, you know, nothing happening with Ferrari. If memory serves, didn't Sainz bin it in qualifying as well? Or sorry, in P3? Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In yeah. P3, yeah. And I was, you know, being an hour and a half, hour and a half ahead of my usual time, I actually was able to get up, watch P3, and correct my error. Take him out. So I get points for not putting signs on there. Oh, good. He's an hour and a half ahead and still got up to only watch P3. That's awesome. <laughs> so, 
He's a committed racer. Yeah, yeah, indeed, exactly. indeed. <laughs> you had Aloe on that list, though. That didn't happen. I don't know what happened yeah, there. Yeah, he was looking so good. And I just figured, like, the wily old man was just going to come in after his performance last week and just rock everything. Sadly, he didn't. And I also figured that I think Ocon, Ocon was looking strong as well. Like, the Alpines were looking strong in practice, and they did not pan out. Yeah, you know what? I had Ocon in the same spot in you know fifth on the grid. Just was not happening. What about you, Phil? This was your week to call out your beloved Ferraris, but not happening, huh? It did not happen. I mean, you know, I'm like everybody. I had Ferrari on there. It looked like I had in the top five and quality is supposed to be. Didn't happen. I thought Norris would pull a Hail Mary. That didn't happen. But I did get the other three, Verstappen, Hamilton, and Bottas. So, you know, I'd like to go with Spence and take half points on that. I kind of went the same way, though, right? I was like, I thought Norris was going to pull it out, but I was hoping, so I hedged my bets on Danny Rick in a box below, and it kind of worked out for me in the end because, you know, I love my Danny Rick. So, Guys, just uh, <laughs> highlighting for our audience how closely we pay attention to this stuff and how prepared we are. I looked like Leclerc actually was fifth after Q3. So more points for everyone who called that. Excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> well spotted, Andrew Spencer. Yeah. I like it. There we go. That's actually all of us. We all get an extra half point, which means nobody gets any points at all. And the worst thing is, Spencer, I actually wrote that down before the call. And yeah, I had four out of five. Totally just said I had three. I'm obviously not reading my own notes. This is good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's talk about the bottom five because, man, that was not expected at all. That's where I think everybody went a little bit awry. Let's start with you, Professor. You know, I am going to read my notes for this one. I got three out of five right. I thought for sure that Tenota and Latifi were going to be in the bottom five. Somehow they managed to not get into that. But we did have Kubit, Mazepin, Schumacher, so the predictable in there as well. Too bad about Perez and Vettel that sort of rounded out that five. Realistically, I had Stroll in the bottom five as well, and that did not happen, which, you know, along with Latifi, was a whole surprise for me. What about you, Stax? Just like Phil, got the bottom three exact dead on. I knew Robert Kubica would out-qualify Mazepin, but I don't think we could have foreseen uh, Sergio and Sebastian. Yeah. Any surprises on your end, Spence? I had the exact same bottom five as Stax and the Professor in slightly different order. I did have Maz at the bottom. I did not have Kibitza beating Mick Schumacher, though. I, I kind of figured that, you know, first time he's done competitive quality since, what, 2019? I didn't think that he would, you know, be as quick as he was, even in a better car than the Haas. So, I don't know. I'm taking just as many points as anyone else for them. Equal points all around. Congratulations, gentlemen. Well, here's the funny thing is I put my predictions up before I knew that Raikkonen was out for the coronavirus. So I was like, yeah, yeah Raikkonen's going to be fine. Had I known Kubica was actually racing when I put up my predictions. So, you know, I'm stealing those points just because. All I'm hearing are excuses, Randy. I'm not giving you those points. Even I woke up early enough to do that, Randy. Whatever. I'm stealing them anyways. All right. Let's talk race predictions. How do we do with the race, boys? I mean, Verstappen won, and three of the four of us guessed that. So there's points. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like any of you. <laughs> Not sure what Randy was doing, let's put it that way. But I think I did pretty good. I got four out of the five in there. I thought that Ricardo was going to come through and do better than he did. But once again, I have to say, Gasly and that Alpha Tauri, yep. where's the space coming from? You know, he's making the most out of that car every single time. It's fantastic to see. He is. Yeah. 
Sachs, you had Aloe up in that top five. That didn't happen, clearly. Yeah, I, I, again, I thought he was going to do so well. I mean, I got four of the top five, uh, perhaps not quite in the right order, but hey, that's full points. That is what it is. And of course, Spence, you had Perez, which, you know. Yeah, I did. That was going to be a big ask after, you know, going out in Q1. Like, you know, he really drove well, and we'll talk about this a little later, to get it back into the points. But, you know, at Zenvort, there's just not enough overtaking opportunities, even in a Red Bull, to go from all the way at the bottom to the top five. Not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Probably not. All right, so the middle of the grid had wrecking in or wrecking out, and clearly Reckon it out. was wrecking out for this weekend in a whole different way than any of us expected. Man, Phil, you pushed this one, so tell us more. What happened with our man Kimmy? Uh, it's just too bad. He tested positive for COVID and then couldn't race, you know. But I'm totally glad that I pushed this to change by fluke. We all scored points on that. Well, and that's fair. I mean, I changed this board before we knew that Kimmy was retiring. And then all of a sudden, like next day, Phil looked like a genius. He was like, look, it's all wrecking out. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like, it's my golden moment in the predictions, man. Oh, I you see. Know, the only I one see. I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Utterly predictable thing that will occur. I had a Mazda spin, which I guess did happen during practice. No, it was happened during quality, right? Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. my Mazda spin in. So, And the Dutch fans boo even by a great race to Hamilton. This one I lost. I was surprised. They were super, super respectful all weekend. I was really happy to see that. They were too inebriated, <laughs> let's say, and partying too much to enjoy themselves to know really what was going on. They were just cheering, being there in a place with activity happening. I think that's what it is. Sorry to all my family over there. They'd have too much orange smoke. They had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I know. That's true. And there's nothing like a Dutch party at any circuit. Go to a Dutch speed skating race. Same thing, right? Guys going around in circles and going real fast and winning, and they'll just party up the whole time and not realize that South Koreans did a whole lot better than they expected. I mean, it was fantastic to see a 70,000-person dance club on the beach. You know, it's, it's not something you see every day. Brings Phil back to his youth. <laughs> Always long hard nights in Ibiza. Long time ago, Gareth. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Less than 16 finishers, Spence. Yeah, I mean, look, watching all the free practices and quality leading up to this, I mean, they were throwing red flags around, it seemed like every 10 minutes, right? Like, I, I didn't think there would be any chance we would have an essentially clean race mm -hmm. out there. We ended up with 18 finishers, but the two guys that, that didn't make it, Sonoda and Mazepin, I, I don't think there was an on-track incident. It was just kind of you know, technical problems with them out, right? I, I'm not sure about Mazepin, actually. He may have fallen asleep during that, but I assume he didn't hit the wall or anything. I certainly don't remember any. Nah, it was a technical problem on that car. Yeah, I don't know. There was a Mazepin. Everybody kind of, that's how you spent Scott that one. You know, it's one of those times. Time for power unit failures, Gareth. Tell us more. We saw, I think, was it two power unit failures in free practice? Both Mercedes, MBHPP, uh, for those of you playing along at home, Mercedes-Benz high-performance power units. And I figured between that and the limit on power unit usage this year, I think it's, what is it, four units this year? Everybody's a little bit stressed. They're a little bit higher stressed, and maybe the Gs from all this banking were having some negative effects on the cars. We didn't see anything in the race. There was something wrong with Danny Rick, but the driver defaulted fail 42 enough that it fixed itself. 
So I figured we might see some more power unit failures in the race itself. Okay, so you got to tell us more, right? Because like for those of our fans who've joined from Drive to Survive and guys like me who know shit about cars, talk to us about power unit versus gearbox versus engine. Like, Give us a little bit of the difference, man. I know you're tired, but you can do this. The donkey in the back of the car, Randy. F1 has, let's call them integrated power units. You have an internal combustion engine and ice. That's the 1.6 liter turbocharged V6. There's also a motor generator unit, the electric motor, 160 horsepower. I think the ice is usually putting about 900 something, something like that. You've got recovery systems that recover kinetic energy from the braking system that feed it back to the electric motor. You've got a heat recovery system that recovers heat and turns it electricity that feeds that into the electric motor. And then you have also a gearbox that transmits the motive force from the engine, the electric motor, to the wheels to the track. That's short and skinny of power units. If you want to know all the units, actually look at the FIA technical yeah. document that outlines Perez's engine change. That's what this podcast has Gareth for. I don't want to look at this stuff. I just want to know. So it's a big battery <laughs> with a big computer at the back of my car. A big battery, a big lump that makes noise, and a big electric motor. And the FIA keeps tabs on it, and they post it. Phil and I look at it, and Perez is on, you know, MGUK42, PU12, ICE43. And it all comes together, and they swap them in and out throughout the year. But you've got three of each component this year. And if they fail beyond that, you got to replace them. You're taking, is it a pit lane penalty or a grid drop? I think it's a grid drop, isn't it? It's a grid drop. Right. So, I mean, you take a hit, and your power unit obviously going to get shaken up. But like, what else might affect a power unit? Heat, the stresses that you've put on it throughout the racing weekends that you've used it. Some tracks, the power tracks. The Monzas, the Spas are more stressful because you run at full throttle more often. Uh, you go over some giant bumps, that could do it. And you've got these bank corners, lateral G-forces, sloshing fluids to the side. And that could have some effect on it. That was my working theory, which, you know, stuff blew up, but not during the race. Well, so let me ask, right? I mean, I know I'm getting ahead of myself and we're still just on the box from Zen Dort, but are we looking to Monza to see a couple of PU blowups? Potentially. There's a possibility of that. I think there's also going to be some teams that may take the engine hit at Monza as well. And that's part of the strategy of the sport, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, that is. Because, I mean, they can only have three engines or three units. If they go to a fourth, they're going to take a penalty. And teams are going to strategically choose where they're going mm -hmm. to do that. And if you look at the list, it's actually a surprising number. You know, we're just over halfway through all the races for this year. And it's an amazing number of people that are in their third engine mm -hmm. now. Right. So you can almost guarantee almost everybody, I would say easily 60% of that grid is going to take a penalty between now and the last race of the year somewhere. And you don't need to take a penalty because, oh, my engine number three blew up. I guess I have to put four in. Engine no. number three can still be good. And you can say, you know what? I kind of suck at this track. I'm going to qualify, but I'm going to take an engine penalty and do an engine change. So I've got kind of a fresh engine or engine set aside for down the road, a track I'm more competitive on. So are we expecting that Monza is fast enough and has enough passing space that we might see a few strategic penalties? And I, maybe this is a question for the sewer steward and penalty props, but is that kind of what we're looking forward to? Like They would have taken those engine penalties before Monza. Typically, they're going to take them beforehand. Because if you want to have a fresh engine, you'd want it in your car, qualify as best you can for Monza. So I think everybody's probably yeah. winging it now. Although, did Perez take... 
Perez took an engine this race, didn't he, Phil? Perez took an engine at this race, right? So they were they were thinking. I mean, he was already at the back of the grid, so what's another couple of spaces and let's get a new engine in there so that it's fresher for Monza so they can put more stresses on it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Spence, did that make sense to you, a donkey in the back of the car? Absolutely, Randy. This technology, believe it or not, has actually bled out of Formula One and it's starting to make its way into our road car. So the AMG that I drive has the EQ boost. I'm sorry, system. Andrew Spencer, you drive an AMG. I do, I do. I swear we're not sponsored by this every time he yeah, brings this up. Well, I usually like to clarify that I no longer have Pirelli tires on it. But anyway, that's another story. But it does. So like this whole concept of an internal combustion engine married to an electric power unit, that's starting to make its way into cars and and not in the traditional way, like in a Prius or something, but where you've got like a a big uh, gasoline powered motor assisted by a small electric one to give some instant torque, right? So yeah, there there are some benefits to being in F1. Some of the technology is actually useful. Pirelli, if you still want to sponsor us, you know, you can sponsor the three of us and just leave Andrew out. We're okay. No, no, no. My new car and both of my bikes run Continental tires. Go away, Pirelli. boy, Conti. All right, fine. So there's two of us, Pirelli, that are looking for sponsorship. Happily to provide that. Give us a call. Guys, I'd, I'd just like to say for the listeners, mm. our man Stax has just got himself a brand new Audi. So if you see anyone on the road driving like an absolute cock, probably him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could be me, although my wonderful partner has also adopted the Audi mentality and could be her too. Just saying. All right. So we had 13 finishers said, Phil, that we did more than that. Rick would just miss the podium. Tell me about Danny Rick, Phil. I thought he was going to do much better than he did. You know, I was, yeah. I mean, obviously he had that slight engine problem at the beginning. There was somebody driving around following him saying, hey, there's uh, smoke coming out of, I think it was yeah. George, actually. Smoke coming out of Ricardo's car. And I think somebody pointed out it's a control delete, essentially, which is what they did. And it stopped. So he was able to keep on going, but he wasn't really very competitive. I mean, he ultimately had to let Norris through. And so Norris could finish in 10th spot, just marginally ahead of him in 11th. So it was kind of a waste for the McLaren team, shall we say. So I got to ask the hard question. Like, is this benefit of experience of being in that McLaren? Or is just Danny Rick not? Like, is he starting to age out of the sport? I don't think it's aged now of the sport. I think every car is unique, right? And it takes a while for drivers to figure out the full uniqueness. And, and it actually leads to, if you look at the teams and then how they pair their drivers together, they're looking for complementary skills. I think McLaren may have a slight differentiation there that they weren't expecting. And, and I think that is factoring into how the car is handling, the characteristics of the car is handling for Norris versus Ricciardo. Norris has the experience. He's been at the team much longer. The, the car is essentially... You know, he's able to adapt his driving style to it. And I think this is very different for Ricardo. I mean, essentially, you've got the same problem that you have with Zenoda against Gasly, you know, Perez against Verstappen. The guys that have been there longer that know the car, the technology, they're able to maximize and push more out of it. So that, like, this is a question for all three of you, right? Like, does that set up a freaking wicked year next year where all the new regs mean that everybody's driving a new car? Right. Like, it's not like, okay, yeah, we've been driving old power units. It's like the whole thing changes next year because of the salary cap and engine regs and all this stuff. Like, is it a truly new grid? We'll get into this in this silly season, but is it a truly new grid next year? I think it's vastly different. You know, I mean, there are going to be some surprises. There's going to be a team that surprises us out of the gate. You have to look at 2009, where Braun had the edge on that double diffuser piece. You know, you look at, I think, 2014, was it, when the, the last major change was made? 
and Mercedes sort of pulled out with the engine units differences. There's going to be one team that always gets a slight edge from anybody else. It happens every time. Yeah, I think we're going to see some fun times, and it's going to be very different. It's going to be tough to truly predict at the end of this year what next year is going to look like. Once we've seen the practices, we'll have a slightly better idea. Spence, Stacks, tell me more. It's going to be way different. I mean, I think it's a real mugs game to try to predict who is going to be at the front next year. But just going back to the discussion we were having about McLaren, you know, I think that is setting up to be one of the best driver lineups in the grid next year. Go back to Danny Rick's first year at Renault. You know, when he was partnering Nico Hulkenberg there. It didn't look all that great then either. Now he was driving against Nico and, you know, wasn't being compared against someone with the talent of Landon Norris. And I, and I think it makes him look worse by comparison. But, you know, second year at Renault, he did really well, right? High finish in the driver's championship. And, you know, he seemed to get the best out of that car. So I really think that when you give him a little more time and put him on kind of more equal playing field to his teammate, you know, he's going to shine again. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what McLaren is going to be like next year. Yeah, and circling back to your question, are we going to see kind of a re-leveling next year of the field, redistribution? That's the hope. I think Phil's right. There's going to be some shakeup. The engines are all carryovers, and the teams themselves are carryovers as well. And who your team is and how your team operates as an organization makes a huge difference. So we'll see some shakeup, but I wouldn't expect a major shakeup unless somebody's discovered the brand new double diffuser. <laughs> All right, double axis steering that actually fits inside the rules. You said we couldn't have six wheels. We have 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's fair. That's all right. Let's get into tire strategy, penalty, or safety car predictions. Can I just say we all whiffed on this hard? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. Points. I had two reds, and we got the two reds. Did we get four yellows? In the race itself? We didn't get really? any reds in the race. No, we didn't even get any reds in the race. All yellows. Yeah. Oh, we had one yellow. There was one yellow. In hey, the... Yeah, whatever. Everybody's been calling us for the whole damn weekend, so I'm taking it this time. During oh, the course of the not. weekend, no, no. we got two reds, <laughs> and I'm taking them. Damn it. I don't know if we got four yellows for the whole course of the weekend. but Randy, we got so many reds. It was way more than two. If you look at like all the free practice sessions and quality, like, you know, you can need until next weekend to tally up to change it to the red flag leaderboard. Like it was, <laughs> there must have been half a dozen, which is why my prediction was so good. And I said, we're not going to see much of the safety car. And it turned out to be absolutely correct. Now, for the wrong reason, I thought it was just because. You know, you have to throw a red flag at that track every time someone puts it in a wall because it's so tight. But it was just because, you know, it was a very clean race, which is, I don't think, what anyone expected there. It was a very clean race. There were, by my count, five red flags throughout the race weekend. So you lose that too, Randy. Yeah. I don't even like any of you. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Just to recap, we got two red flags to Mercedes-Benz high-performance powertrains, FP1 for Vettel, FP2 for Hamilton. There was also a wonderful Mazda spin that brought out a red flag in FP2. Thanks, Maz. Then a smash into the wall in FP3 from Carlos Sainz Jr. And then Russell brought out a red flag during qualification. All right, somebody give me something, because I thought the mediums were going to be fine, and it clearly it didn't work for Merck, but did the back markers use mediums that shown and change the difference there because i thought the mediums were going to just like shine on this track i think they were surprised with the the abrasion wasn't as fierce for any of the tires 
I mean, Pirelli brought the hardest tire batch they possibly could to the circuit, so. Well, and this is kind of where I was going. I was like, with that bank, those mediums, they're going to put the right side tires under all kinds of pressure, but the left side tires, as a result, were going to keep everybody in the race that ran on mediums, and I think we saw that a little bit in the back markers, right? You could manage the mediums better, you could take the bank hard, you could run a little bit of gravel on them, and they were still all right. But maybe I was wrong. I've been known to be, and that's the only time you're ever going to hear me say that. That's on record now, Randy. Eric, delete that. I'm going to put up my hand and say, I did not watch the race. I was on vacation. I, I watched the race in 30. I fell asleep during the race in 30. It was that boring. I, I disagree. It was not a boring race, guys. It was actually an intriguing race. You just had to look for different things. It was intriguing from True a strategy race perspective. Find something else to look for than just who's running the first place. And had I not been on vacation and not been falling asleep, maybe, but uh, from a, kind of a casual looking, it was not uh, not an exciting weekend. You know what? Here's what I would look at to gauge how exciting the race was. Our text chat on Sunday morning was pretty quiet, right? Like no one was really saying much because I don't think there was much to really talk about. There were some strategy battles, but let's be honest, Merck got it wrong. And it became apparent pretty quickly they got it wrong. And we knew there wasn't really going to be much happening at the end. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. The text chat had really, really nothing on the go. I will say I was in the passenger seat of a Mazda CX-3 rental vehicle that couldn't get out of its own way driving the Irish Loop on the Avalon Peninsula on roads that had ruts, standing water, and the side of the road kind of caved off into the ditch followed by a trip to Mistaken Point that involved 18% grades and teaching Leanne how to use the uh, flat paddle gearbox on the Mazda. And that was probably more exciting. I would say that sounds a whole lot more exciting than this race was for me. And we, we even had tire issues and there were some Pirellis. Did you complain like Hamilton so that she could shut you down? Or We definitely called Avis to complain and they just said, well, I guess we'll send somebody to swap it. And I swapped the tire in the pouring rain. So you did the Hamilton regulatory complaint. That's fine. Exactly. And then they told us we'd waive roadside assistance. So I did it myself. Did I just hear that Gareth whined like Lewis? Yep. About his That's tires? right. That's what I'm taking yep. from. Yep. yep, yep. Whined like Lewis Hamilton about the tires going off. His hand cook had a rock and then about the size of Andrew Spencer's head. And we had to deal with that before, right? All right. So let's get into the predictions. So Italian Jeebus, tell us, Spence. Yeah, he had a great quality. I think he qualified seventh, which was an all-time best for him. But he had a little bit of trouble early, and he was in the pit, and he was never able to recover. It really seemed like all the, the movement around Alpha and the driver lineup for next year maybe had kind of lit a bit of a fire underneath him, right? And he was going to show Fred why he needed to keep his seat. But oh, You didn't call him just Fred on the board. You called him Pope Fred. Oh, that, that wasn't me. That's why I was wondering why you asked Gareth who was asking you about that. We've only been using the same color scheme for about 18 podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> I was trying to roll with it, Randy. <laughs> All right. Tell us about Pope Fred, sir. Pope Fred Vesser. That was just uh, continuing the Italian Jeebus joke, really. Pope Fred, the head of Alfa Romeo Sauber, has got to make a decision about that second seat at Alfa for the silly seasons, not reserved for Ferrari anymore or Ferrari Junior drivers. And there's a bunch of people who want in. And he's got to make a decision as to whether they keep Giovannizzi, who by all accounts seems to be a nice guy who performs sometimes, beautiful hair, or bring in... Uh, Great hair. 
Great hair. Great. Best hair, best hair on the grid. So here's where I win bingo this week, right? Because I had on my box that Williams shows that it wasn't a fluke. And I'm just going to let all of you react to that because I think Williams had a great weekend. And I had on my box Williams back in the basement, which was correct. And I win. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't think we got much from Williams this weekend. I mean, both of their guys put it in the wall in Q2. And, you know, we didn't really see much out of either of them in the race. I don't even think George, he was a classified finisher, but he DNF'd, didn't he? But across the line. No, no, George, yeah, George Russell DNF'd at 69 laps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I think Williams was not suited to this track, and that really showed, and they were just way down at the bottom again. Unfortunately, and the drivers pushed a bit too hard, and like Spence said, they smacked the walls. I, I also made a prediction that completely missed, just like Randy's prediction about Williams. I, I figured Carlos Sainz was on for his maiden win, and that didn't happen. Well, and that does it for another week of Box, Box, Box Bingo. I think we, we made some great productions. So let's move on to our next segment. What you doing, Our best radio broadcast coats of the weekend. And I swear, this was a quiet weekend for the radio. Like, this is why I say it was a bloody boring race. Because outside of Lewis complaining, which we all expected was going to happen anyways... I really did not hear a whole lot of great radio call. Like, to me, this was a race so boring, I think even the commentators fell asleep at some point. Oh, my God. I totally disagree. But I think, yeah, you're right. There was no radio call to speak of. Yeah, the only ones were the typical Lewis Hamilton, my tires are going off. And 30 seconds later, there's the fastest lap, folks. Anybody else getting bored with that shenanigan after what seems like, you know, a dozen years? I'm a Lewis fanboy, and I'm getting bored with that. I know that that's what's happening. Like, come on, come up with a new tactic. Like, Max is clearly getting bored with it. I mean, my radio moment for the weekend was when he asked his race engineer about Hamilton behind him and if he was <laughs> complaining about anything. I know. Like, he actually asked that, right? Yeah. So, no, he straight did ask that. Yeah. It's such a well known thing. I, I don't think anyone puts any stock in it anymore i mean i think they actually believed at that point that the mediums he were on were not holding up and that he wasn't a threat but if he's actually doing it in seriousness because he thinks it's going to throw people off then you know i think the jig is clearly up on that one i don't know maybe that's his way of telling merc that everything's okay right like consistency is key yeah. Well, at that point we all know what it is you might as well just say it over the radio everything's okay going for fastest lap now announce it be open with it. I mean, Caesar. <laughs> the only other thing I had, I love the crafty comment, no for stopping, Max Verstappen. I, I thought that was kind of a classic pun. <laughs> Come on, guys. And then the only other thing really... Dutch pun? Yeah, really? I thought it was good. You're going to call me out, and then you're going to make a Dutch pun? Really? Absolutely. I'm married to the Dutch. I've got a little bit of credibility there. And then the only other thing I had was the stroll Brad steering wheel comments about, you know, pit confirmed. Oh, I love this. This was my favorite. Hey, Lance, you need to press the OK button. The OK button. I pressed it. That's the pit confirm button. Brad, the pit confirm button is the OK button, Brad. <laughs> Best moment on the radio ever. It's like, was like worth I just got to want to know what Brad did after that. His head in shame. There was a couple of other moments of drivers with sort of yelling at each other. You know, there was the typical Schumacher against Mazepin. Wondering why he was being driven into the wall. There was lots of what's this guy doing, but I don't know. That's not fun anymore either. We're mid-season now. This guy's doing what this guy does. 
That's it for what you talk about, Lewis, because there's really there's nothing, nothing, to talk about, nothing Lewis. at all going on. <laughs> so let's head over to Mazza Spin. Turn there. Oh, and another spin. Uh, but it's Nikita Mazza Pin. To me, this was a crazy, boring race. So I'm going to talk about stuff outside of the race. You know, the Reichen out created a tantalizing driver steward opportunity for me because I think Reichen as a driver steward would be hilarious. Just the number of times that Raikkonen has said, what's this guy doing? Now as a driver steward, he'd be like, what's this guy doing? Click, click, penalty, click, click, penalty. This is fucking bullshit. Click, click, yep. penalty. Every driver steward would be literally two lines long. It'd be fantastic. So easy to read and go through. Well, no, it wouldn't be because it'd be one long mumbled sentence. Yeah, you know, like FIA radio, Michael Massey. Kimmy, what are you doing? Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I concur with you. Absolutely. Yep. I feel like Kimmy Raikkonen needs to stay in the sport just for the levity. I, I really do think so. I do think so. Although, yeah, you got nothing to say about the first part of the season. Yeah, you know, I don't have much to reflect. I don't think I have any huge negative from the first bit of the season. I've been generally entertained, kept on my toes. We've had some great races. And we've had a few shakeups throughout both the grid and then the finishes. Oh, and then we got Spence, you know, who says it's all fun and games till somebody get Mazepin in the eye. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's several times now where he's done this jinking around like on the straight when someone's about to come by him. And he's almost taken his teammate out with it a couple, a couple of, times. of times. But and that's the negative. But hey, if we're going to spin a positive, he hasn't killed anyone yet. So there's that. So. We're always trying to find the positive. That's good. All right, Gareth, it's time for you to flex your uh, impressions because Phil is on the phone and it's his turn. So you got to do your Phil now to represent his Mazda spin. Engine limits of three per season without penalty. Ridiculous, really. But makes interesting speculation. Who's going to take four and five? Oh, my God. Did you know in 1986 somebody took a fifth engine? Spence, give it your go at your Phil impression. I wouldn't even dare, Randy, but I mean, it is an interesting thing, right? I think we're starting to see it now. Perez may have been the first, but, you know, he's certainly not going to be the last. And, you know, there's still quite a few races to go. So, you know, Perez puts this in the wall or puts someone else in the wall. He's going to have to take another unit. And, you know, it's going to impact the fight for the constructors for sure. Uh, that's fair. Let's see. Let's see if I can do it. Uh, so let me, I'm telling you, Randy, I'm telling you, Randy, you know what? Uh, there's five engines and it's really, really Lewis's fault that uh, people are taking five engines. See, you know, it's, uh, you know, I get it. I mean, I mean, they get three engines during the course of the year, but it's Lewis's fault that they get five engines. And I, you know, your South African Randy is terribly bad. You know, you sound like an Indian doing a South African accent. I'm like, well, yeah, of course I know that, man. The best part about this is, like, if you could watch the video, Phil's not even reacting to it. It's brilliant. No. Because he, he's, he's got he's us on, on the phone. He's not even listening. Yeah, blanked out. Which is awesome. So, let's give Phil's impressions for him. So, see, Phil's Mazda spin this week is week. Spence. Lewis is probably the best ever, and he's going to absolutely take it to George Russell next year. That's what Phil's really wanting to say. And Gareth, give Phil's Mazda spin for the week. Formula One is not a complex sport. It's incredibly <laughs> simple. You just have to really spend some time to understand it and appreciate it. There, there's nothing complex going on here. I don't know why everybody's so bent yeah. out of shape. But... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, fine car drive fast. That's it. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. Phil's final Mazda spin is the Dutch of the best people ever. All right, let's talk silly season because 
all of a sudden, the silly season became far less silly this week. Spence, talk to us, man. Well, a lot of stuff happened in the last little while. So our boy Valtteri, he's you know announced that he is going to be going to Alpha on a multi-year deal. And it's going to be a step down from Mercedes, I think, even with the impending regulation change. But in some ways, I feel happy for him. You know, he's given interviews lately saying that he's going to be able to drive now without a knife at his throat because he's been on year-to-year deals this whole time in F1. So that was really the first domino to fall. Like Once he was announced, then everything else seems to, to snap in place. So we had George Russell being announced by Mercedes this week as Lewis Hamilton's partner, which we've talked about at length already. And then probably the one surprise we've seen this week has been Albin signing on to, to race at, at Williams next year, which... You know, a lot of people were pretty, you didn't really think it was going to happen because of the Mercedes engine deal they have and the fact that Alvin is still, at least at the time, was a Red Bull affiliate eraser. No longer. No. No longer-ish. Well, I mean, they're maintaining that they have options on his future, so Red Bull. Whatever so that means, yeah. We don't really know what that is. There's There's really been no kind of disclosure about what that means, but... What we know now is there's still an open seat at Alpha, and that's the big question is who's going to fill it? Yeah, that's effectively, other than one of the Haas seats, like the last open seat out there. Well, it's Alpha Romeo, right? Because Alpha Tori is also locked up at this point. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. think they were going to keep Yuki, but they've decided to take a chance for a second year. And Red Bull may actually want to develop a driver for once. And no Honda engine anymore, so they're keeping a Japanese driver. Those links are still there. Those links are still, still there. Like, Honda sold them a lot of stuff, pretty cheap, and a lot of people. I would bet that there might be some kind of trailing such and such. I guess so, and then that's fair. I mean, there's still a couple open spots. You've got a wild prediction, Gareth. Mick to the second Alpha Romeo seat? Is that what you're saying? That, that's my wild prediction. My wild prediction. Uh, Mick and his people fucking had it with uh, Mazepin's crew at Hop and that bullshit. And Mazepin is apparently confirmed for next year because daddy's still paying the bills. And Mick and his people take their money, their backing, and their name, and they go to Alpha for the second seat there. Well, which leads me, Spence, to my favorite prediction of the whole damn season so far. Yours. Read that one through. Yeah, so this is kind of piggybacking on Gareth's wild prediction of Mick to Alpha for the second seat. If that happens, it obviously leaves a spot open at Haas. And, you know, nothing makes more sense for an American team than for them to brush the dust off of Danny Kvyat and get him back on the grid. All glory for Mother Russia, right? Oh, because then they become a true Texas team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's red, white, and blue. It's funny things you do. Yeah, that's fair. Professor, talk to us about DeVries in the silly season, because that seems to be like one of the big wild cards, and nobody knows where or if he's going to land. I think it's an if. I mean, you know, he's done really well in the Formula E championship. I think there's a desire from Mercedes to keep him there. He's a Mercedes driver, so the seats for him to fall into are limited. And I think, I, I'll be honest, I think Alpha would be a, a very long shot for him to get into. If he stays as a Mercedes driver, I don't think that they put him at a preferred power no, team. I don't think so either. Well, so, so what do you do then? You just leave him in the junior circuits? He's for, not in the junior. He's in the, the Formula E circuit. So, you know. He's the Formula E world champion. Well, that's what I'm saying. Though. Like, you leave him in the secondary circuit. You let him run Formula E for another year. Absolutely. You know, it builds up a better rap yeah. for that. And sports cars and whatever else. It can build yeah. a better following. Ultimately, 
could make him more viable for a seat in, in 2023. I, I don't see DeVries into F1 next year. You know, I, I don't know if I necessarily see Maz in, in, in F1 next year either. Mazepin, I think, is uh, proving to be a bit of a challenge. I know everyone's defending him. Oh, yeah, we're, we're all def- not, we've all defended him. Not so you guys, not but... us. I'm talking about, I mean, Steiner <laughs> defends him. You know, there's journalists, uh, Will Buxton defends him and everything like that. You know, he's gotten better, but he's still... That move that he pulled, that was harsh. So I, I don't understand how yeah, Haas is going to keep that there. It's a dollars and cents thing, absolutely. But there's a cost for that, too. So I, I have trouble with this, right? Because could he have gotten worse? Like, was there anywhere else to go but better? No. Well, he still hasn't punched anybody. Well, that we know about. And I mean, he hasn't actually put anybody into the wall yet. He's just tried to. So. Well, that's because you actually have to race people to put them in the wall. Well, he tries to race Mick. And this was dovetailing with what Phil said. Will at some point Gene Haas and Gunther Steiner just get tired of that shit and just be like, nope, we've got other sources of funding, go away. Yeah, and I guess that that's where one of the questions that depends on us, where the sources of funding. I mean, I think there's other choices for drivers as well. I mean, you've got Callum Allett, who raced last year in, in GP2 and was a runner-up. You know, he could fit into this category really well. All right. Well, that's the silly season for this. We'll see what happens over the next couple of last weeks. So let's get into Winter Wow. So, Phil, take us through it, man. Like, what's your three kind of takeaways? Like, what's your big driver observation? your race venue observation, your future of the sport thought? I think, you know, takeaways from a driver perspective this weekend where we are, I mean, Max demonstrated head down and just drive and not get involved in any of the other shenanigans that are going on. He was a force to be reckoned with today. I did find it an amazing race. I actually did enjoy it. One of the odd ones on this broadcast, I know. I love the track. I love how tight it is. I love how unforgiving it is. It forced the drivers to behave themselves, which is exactly what you don't see at other circuits like Bahrain or some of the modern circuits where there's just nothing but steward rulings about, you know, going past the racing line. Because if you go off the racing line here, you're pretty much either into a wall or into a gravel trap. And I, I love the banking of the circuit. I think the, the, the circuit itself was absolutely awesome. And the atmosphere was amazing. I'd love to go there. Trying to figure it out myself as a place to go. Well, just because we got family to stay with and we do go to visit you there. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it, right? That's if after listening to this, they actually will let us into the house. That's a whole different story. My general comment about the Formula One and, and where we are is, you know, teammate frictions. You know, we've got three teams that are wrestling with a little bit of friction between their teammates. You've got Haas, and that's obviously a given with Mazepin and the Schumacher. You do have friction between Stroll and Vettel over at, at Aston Martin. And Brad. Then, Brad. Why is he such a good man, Brad? <laughs> and then you've got the team up at the in the top team of Mercedes, and Bottas doesn't have to. I mean, he probably will because he's a good character and, and he'll be, behave himself. But Bottas doesn't have to abide by those rules and stipulations anymore. He's got nothing to lose. So, you know, he can go for fastest laps. That's actually an interesting question, right? Like, so does he back off Phil now that he's properly signed to Alpha? The deal is done. It's announced George coming to Merck, but he's still got a half a season to go, right? So if he gets team orders, does he follow team orders and say, fuck you, I'm signed anyways? 
I don't think he follows two motors. I hope he doesn't. I don't want him to. I want him to race. I want him to, you know, put the, the medal down. But at the same time, yeah, yeah it, it depends how forceful the conversations are from Mercedes and Toto. I agree with Phil. And this might, you know, he could be leading a race potentially in, in line for a win. And, oh, you, you know, got, you got to give this to Lewis for the championship. And Valtteri looks at that. This could be conceivably the last race that I could win Yeah. as I move over to Alpha. I don't see him doing that. Right. Is there a contract clause somewhere? I look to my two lawyers to be like, is there like some wingman clause? It's like, you know what? Do this shit and you don't get paid. I mean, you can write anything you want. A contract's just an agreement. You can write whatever you want. If they were smart enough to put something in there that says you get dinged money or whatever if you don't perform or if you ignore certain orders, that could be there. Yeah, that's true. Spence, would you sign that contract? Depends what's in it for me, Randy. He's already driving an AMG Mercedes. Well, with, not with Pirelli's. Though. No, no, no. Of course not. You know, if, if I'm Valtteri, I think there is going to be a lot of incentive on his part to get what he can out of the season. Because like to what's already been said, it's probably going to be his last time in a car that can on merit challenge for the top step of the podium, right? I would, I would think there's two things, though. One is... What kind of bonus clause is in there if Mercedes wins the Constructors' Championship? I am certainly not an expert in F1 driver contracts, but I would not be shocked if there was something that you know would incentivize him to play the game to make mm-hmm. sure that he certainly wasn't doing anything to, to hurt the team. And you know what? Maybe they signed some kind of addendum to that thing, which you know makes it clear that he's getting another X number of dollars, but... He's only getting it if he follows the orders, right, that the team puts out over the radio. I mean, look at what happened with the fastest lap on the weekend, right? Purple, purple through sectors one and two on, I guess, the 70th lap. And as a result, they had to take Hamilton off the track and pit him so that he could get that fastest lap back. I don't know. Penetrating analysis from Andrew Spencer. What do you think, Spence? So, choo-choo, ready for the DRS trains in Monza. Tell me more, man. No, it's going to be a DRS fest there, Randy. I mean, you're going to have a lot of cars in a big, long line, everyone with DRS. And I don't know how much overtaking there's going to be. We'll see. This is not my favorite track on the calendar, but... I mean, it certainly produced a good race last well, year. It's the temple of speed, right? Like, there's got to be somebody who has faster straight line speed than somebody else. Gareth, Phil, what do you think? It's called no wing. I mean, you're going to see the flattest wing on a Formula One car ever at any circuit. But I think definitely Red Bull's wing is going to be flatter than Mercedes. And bendier, too. That's a given with how they run that car. Yeah. Everybody goes searching for speed. They do, right? I don't know. I, I think. Ferrari, it's their home race. They're going to try and bring something. You know, if they've got anything left in the tank, they're going to bring it to the circuit. But I would anticipate you're looking at the same Red Bulls and, and Mercedes hitting up the speed traps and taking the lead on that. And the weather looks good, unfortunately, sorry to say, unlike other years and things like that. So I don't think the weather's going to play a role. What? You didn't get a new grass skirt? Fans, we asked you, buy Phil a new grass skirt for this race. What the hell? What happened? The money didn't come in. It didn't come in, guys. Sorry. All right. Mm. Well, I know. It's okay. So I'm looking for a new sponsor, a dance sponsor that can teach Phil a rain dance. He's got those hips. He knows he has them. Let's work them, man. Let's get some rain on. 
Phil just put some water through his nose, so that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do it on mute. God damn it. Should have turned the camera off, too. <laughs> so, you know, and let me go back to you, Spence, because, you know, the race is kind of boring, but looked like a blast to attend. Monaco on the North Sea, right? So do we get yacht sponsorships again? What the hell happens here? We absolutely do not get yacht sponsorships at this race, but... Didn't eighty percent of everybody show up on bicycles and public transit? I was gonna say, I think there's a bicycle sponsorship for this race. Yes, I, I, I believe, I believe the philosophy is a bit different than Monaco. Oh, it's hugely different, right? Like the number of people who arrived in country via a private jet is way down compared to you know something in the south of France, right? But you know, there's a lot of similarities in the track. It's unforgiving, can't pass, very technical. But like Monaco, it looked like it would be an absolute blast to go to as a fan. Yeah. Right? Like, I would love nothing more next year to be able to hop on a KLM flight, get myself to Skibble, and then, you know, out to the track there. It looked, it looked so much fun. Well, and there's our next sponsor's pitch. KLM, get us a sponsorship. We'll fill the plane. Trust us. Our eight fans, they have friends. Well, we'll put at least one fill on the plane. Sorry, guys, we should be saying no free ads. So like some Dutch airline, perhaps, other than saying, you know, the airline that shall not be named now. I'm just saying, Heineken, you know us. We're chill. We're funny. We know how to drink beer. We'll be I all right. I think you got to say the name for them Take to us. realize, hey, there's potential here, Spansley. <laughs> okay. No free ads. Heineken, no sponsor Phil, and we'll just follow. That's the plan. There. You know, I mean, I still think there's the the potential for boat sponsorships. And, I mean, Tiesto played that thing, so I'm sure the fashion was all right. There was at least one hat that I want that my wife has decided that if I buy that hat that I'm going to get divorced. So. Oh, excellent. We'll buy two of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looked like a fantastic party. And yeah, something it did really look fun. This was, you know, Ted's notebook. He had interviewed Guido Vandegaard. And Richard Dornboss, two former Dutch Formula One drivers, who I think probably drove about 18 races between the two of them. They're both yeah. involved with the venue, and they made the point of saying, yeah, we have to put on a great party. We have to get all these fans here, and we have to give them something fantastic because this is the only self-funded Formula One event. It's the only Formula One event of the 23 on the calendar that doesn't receive government funding. And fair enough, like, it's a great event. I think it's a great event. I don't know what the track would do when it's wet. So please, fans, buy Phil a grass skirt. Send all your grass skirts to Philip and Cantrell, courtesy of P.O. Box 942, Donna's University, Halifax, Nova Scotia. God forbid that person in 942. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the circuit has huge potential. I really do. And it's going to be interesting to see what it works like with different cars in it next year. I think that's going to be the fun part to see. Right? Big wheels on that bank? That's going to be wicked. One of the coolest things for me was people just trying different yeah. lines on all those big turns and making them work and making passes work. If yeah. you watch, like I do, American IndyCar oval racing, got high lines, low lines, medium lines, and people are slingshotting around and figuring out how they work, and it's fantastic. Well, I think that's what paid off for a long time, you know, yeah. at that corner three right as he did that path of the first lap and it didn't work for some other yeah. people let's talk next week right because at and ferrari are going to bring something new to monza and those are the teams that seem like to bring something to watch so tell us boys alpha tower is going to bring pierre gasly who's on fire first of all and i think they're going to try i mean they would love to see 
him on the podium again, especially in Monza for a second year in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a long shot, but that, I mean, he's managing to get speed out of that Alpha Terry, and that's pretty impressive, really, when you think about it. He was the fourth fastest car at Zandvoort. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, yeah. right? So, I mean, with luck, you know, we can get something. I, there's always an incident or two in Monza as well, you know. So I think there's potential there for him to see the podium. So do we see the, the top two take each other out next week? Like, what's going to happen next week? Talk to me. Depends how upset Hamilton is still, you know, having to go chase down that one point. I don't know. He's looking pretty relaxed, him and Roscoe, this week. So I don't know what that translates to in the car. But Mons has always been good for Hamilton. You know, like him or not, it's been one of his tracks. You know, he's got good speed on it. After seven world championships, there are very few tracks that he hasn't won at one point or another. So yeah, Monza, yeah, he likes Monza. He enjoys it, right? And most drivers enjoy Monza as a driver. Right? Nobody, I don't hear anybody complain about it. He's won more than once at Monza, has he not? I was just implying that there are very few races where he would not, you know, see himself as a race winner. It's not about him seeing himself as a race winner. I think there's a certain comfort on those couple of big straights and that one parabolica that he just likes that. He knows it. He knows how to play his car. He knows where it fits. He knows how to manage tires. But, you know, you still might hear the, like, well, they were just too fast for us this weekend. But I do think that he might get a little bit more like, you know what? This is a track that I bring the best out of my car. Like, yeah. I mean, he's won five times, but the last time he won was 2018. So it's been two years since he, he took the, uh, the top spot. It's not always the most consistent of races for him. Let's put it that way. All right. So make the call. Spence, does Gasly do it again? No. Phil, does Gasly do it again? Not a chance. I think he got a higher chance of Ferrari taking it. All right. Gareth, does Gasly do it again? Sadly, no. I'm going to agree with Phil. Better chance of a Ferrari getting their stuff together and putting one together for the Tifosi. You know what? I'm wearing my hat. I'm telling you now, this is Lando's weekend. Watch for it. This is Lando's weekend. He better have an airplane wing on the back of the McLaren. I swear that Mackers has just been waiting to go and it's Lando's weekend. Like, I love my boy Danny Rick, but it's Lando's weekend. I think he's just pissed off enough because everybody's talking about Merck as Team Britain and Lando's just ready for it now. He's like, you know what? Screw this shit. I'm taking it. This is mine. That would be fantastic if it happens. Yeah, it would be fun to watch. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, and that ends another week of Flippin' F1. The circus goes to the Temple of Speed, Monza, next week. And you've heard kind of what's going to happen from us. So if you're liking us, please retweet to other people. If you're not, well, then don't tell anybody. So whatever it is, enjoy it. Have a great week. We will see you next week when we talk about the Italian Grand Prix. Spence, say bye. Ciao. Gareth. Good night, everybody. Professor. See you later. All right. Flippin' F1 is edited by Eric Wellman. And I'm your host at most, Randy. Have a good night. We'll talk to you soon.